team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to We're Live, pal, post-game show. I am Mike Graham, and I will be joined shortly by my podcast partner, Josh Smith. The Ticats get their first win of the season, 21-13, over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Josh, it feels good to win, doesn't it? Yes, but that was not exactly a sterling performance by our boys in black and gold it was nice to get the win and a win is a win and at this point in the season when you're one and three now any win is what matters right but not exactly the type of performance you were hoping to see from the team coming off a bye week i don't think no definitely not but uh like you said a win is a win and uh, we're just going to go through the game rundown right now uh the first quarter the ticats looked good on their first drive this Sandani with a couple catches for first downs. Uh, they were actually running the ball um, early on, and that was a theme all game long. So that was a that was a nice thing to see. But they failed to get a touchdown on their first drive, and it's three nothing Tie Cats early on. Uh, what do you think of that uh, opening drive for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? It felt like deja vu all over again, to use a mm-hmm. cliche. You know? It felt like, oh, here we go again. We're going to be settling for field goals, and that's what they did. I know we'll get into it, obviously, as you go through more of the the step-by-step here. But I was like, you're at the – like, the thing is, you're at the five, and you don't – you run it on first down. I think they're at the, they were just inside the 10, I guess. And they run it on first down to pick up five yards, and then – like, I, I just don't understand how you can't find Duke Williams in that vast space in the end zone somewhere. You know what I mean? Like – Throwing up a, a ball, it was to Terry Godwin, if I'm not mistaken. Just felt like a play that was never going to work. But they came away with points, and considering how points have been at a premium for this team, I thought it was uh, it was an okay start to the game. But it did it was a little bit too reminiscent of what they did against Montreal. Yeah, now they didn't do much offensively after that in the first quarter. It ended up three nothing at the end of the first. Um, as we move into the second quarter. We started to see some time count penalties against the Thai Cats. Uh, I think this was the first one of the night, but it was a reoccurring theme. I think they had three of them. I, I can't remember if they are all on special teams, but it, I think at least two or three were. No, one. the first one, maybe it wasn't the first one. One of them was definitely on Matt Schultz. Um, they didn't get the snap off in time. And then they get the time count penalty and then nearly didn't get the snap off on the next play. It's things like this that like that really annoy me about this team because these are the simple things that you should be able to execute without issue, especially at home. How do you get multiple time count violations at home? 
happens mm. on the road, you get it that the, you know the crowd's amped up and blah 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 blah. This to me, it was just yeah, it was inexcusable. It's just very very frustrating to watch. Yeah, now this one in the second quarter, it uh, I, I believe it was on the field goal attempt and it moved them back to the forty nine yard right. line for a forty nine yard field goal. I got a little bit worried there with Legio, but he nailed it and it's six nothing tie cats. Uh, shortly after that, Chris Edwards get it gets an interception. Returns it to the Red Blacks 30. Uh, Butler with a nice run for first down. Still committing to the run, which is nice to see. Uh, pass to Sandani in the end zone called incomplete. Tycants challenge and lose. That was a close one. I don't know what you saw at the at the stadium, but to me it was a questionable call. Like I think it could have went either way. It looked like a catch from what they showed. It looked as if he trapped the ball against the defender's helmet almost mm-hmm. and then came down with a foot or maybe it was a knee I can't, or a thigh or a calf. I don't remember what it was, but it looked like it was a down. And then, and then from what I saw, because I went on social media at halftime to kind of see what people were saying, and it seemed as if they ruled it incomplete because he didn't complete the process of a catch, but he goes to the ground, taps his foot, and then the defender after the play was basically over kind of swiped it away. I yeah, that's yeah. look. I'm I'm going to assume that the the replays that we saw, that you guys saw at home, were different than the ones we saw in the stadium. Based on what I saw in the stadium, I would have said touchdown. Um, but it, but I mean, it's it's football these days. We don't know what a goddamn catch is, no matter who which team it is. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I I thought I thought the refs were not great in this one. I got to be honest with you, Mike. And I don't think they played a role in the game. But like they, and I don't know if you're going to get to it, but I'll bring it up now anyway. Later in the game, there was a they threw a flag for illegal contact that was on a mm-hmm. running play and they, they picked up the flag, but it was like, and that was like, and that was a penalty against Ottawa. So it would have benefited Hamilton. And I'm just like, how do you throw a, like, how do you get illegal contact on a run play? That doesn't make any sense. And then obviously they picked up the flag. I, I, I was not impressed with the refereeing in this one. I thought it was a little uh, subpar for even the CFL's pretty low standard some weeks. Yeah, it hasn't been great overall this year, I've found, and uh, that was just a ridiculous call. I mean, Bob Dice, who's, he was pretty animated on the sidelines after that one, as anyone would be. As he should have been. As he should have been, exactly. Um, the Ticats settle for another field goal in the red zone. It's 9 nothing for the Ticats with 10-19 left in the second quarter. Uh, too many field goals at this point. It's like you got to punch yep. it in when you get that chance to uh, – you know, when you're in the red zone, you got to make sevens, not threes. But uh, this is where we were at. So, unfortunately, right after that, Mazzoli goes down with an injury. It's non-contact. It looks to be the knee. That was that was, that was was devastating. He's carried off the field. Just very sad for uh, for Mazzoli after that long comeback. You know, he hasn't played for, for a year after that dirty hit from Garrett Marino. Uh, he comes back in his first game and... and uh, a non-contact injury. It doesn't look good for Mazzoli. That was, that was brutal. It was Mm -hmm. like, he goes down, he gets up and then he goes down again. And I haven't heard the crowd go that silent since probably Zach's injury in 2015. When Claros went down that place, you could hear a pin drop. Maybe Mazzoli's injury in 2019. It it was, it was pretty devastating too, but this, for an opposing team's player, and obviously Mazzoli has a lot of respect amongst many fans in the Hamilton fan base. Everything that he went through, I think even Hamilton Ticats fans were like, it's great to see him back on the field. In fact, I know for certain that there were a lot of Ticat fans who were, at least the ones that I that I 
you know, give any credence to their opinion. We're very happy to see him back on the field. They didn't want to see him win the game today, obviously, but they were happy to see him back on the field. And then for that to, uh, to happen so soon in the game, it was, it was just disheartening. And I don't know if they showed him at all during the rest of the game, but he came back out. He was in a walking boot with a, with a cane and there's been some speculation. I don't know. Again, I, I, this is just from some stuff I've heard that he probably tore his Achilles. And if that's Mm -hmm. the case, his season's for certain over without it even really getting a chance to start. And you got to wonder at 35 years old, a third major leg injury in five years. Cause remember he tore his ACL in 2019. Uh, he dealt with injuries in 2021, his final year in Hamilton, obviously the the hit last year by, by that dirtbag Garrett Marino took him out for the season. And now this, I, I don't know if we'll ever see Jeremiah Masoli play again. And that's, just, that's a real shame because when he's at the top of his game, he's as exciting to watch as any quarterback in this league. And uh, it was, it was just, it just sucked, man. It really just mm-hmm. sucked. Like, I don't really know any other way to put it. Like it was just the, the energy in the stadium that was there, even though the game wasn't entirely exciting, but there was still a palpable sense of energy in the stadium. It just got completely sucked out for, for quite some time until, I mean, I think there was a big defensive player. Maybe it was the touchdown that we'll get into those things happen. And then you kind of pumped everyone back up, but yeah, it was it was a, it was a sad scene to see, man. Like for for him to to come all the way back from what happened last year, and then for it to his first game back, for it to happen again, it just yeah. absolutely sucks. Just yeah, it does. It. And you know, he was they were so cautious with him too. You know, you in the off season, you you heard that he'd be starting right at the start of the season, and then you know it was one game, two games, and then the fifth game of the season, or whatever it is for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and. And this happened. It's very unfortunate. They showed uh, uh, his mother in the crowd, and she was very distraught. It's very sad. It's very sad. Oh, she scene. was here. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's she, even worse. I know. So that kind of broke my heart a little bit seeing her um, be upset. Very unfortunate for Jeremiah Bazzoli. We we wish him the best, obviously. Um, shortly after that, the Ticats get stuffed at midfield on third and one on a QB sneak. Uh, that that seems to be you know, and I, I I like the gamble, but it seems to be a thing with the Ticaster where they just can't make that one yard. Um, obviously not all the time, but it seems to happen more than often. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we think that because we follow this team more closely than we do the other eight. But I, it does feel as if Hamilton gets stuffed on these situations more. And I I gotta say something. And it's not about the, this play in particular, but there was a second and one early in the game. At some point, maybe it was before this, maybe it was after this. I don't remember in the timeline, but second and one, and they do the QB sneak and they get the first down, and yeah, okay, great. The drive continues. You and I, this is kind of a cheap plug for our Patreon. You and I sat down and watched uh, the 1998 East Final last weekend, and uh, if you want to listen to that, we sat down, we did a full, literal three-hour podcast, just live watch, you watch along, you can watch the game. And while it didn't happen in that game, there are other games where it happens. That second and one, the Ticats in that situation back in 98 would run the ball with the running back. And I get it, different game, all that other sort of stuff. Totally understand. On second and one, why why did, do no teams throw the deep ball? Why why is it just, oh, where it's, it's a yard or less on whatever mm-hmm. down it is, second or third down? I get it on third down because you want to keep the, keep the, keep the ball and, and move the chains. But on those second and ones, Mike, like, why can't a team finally – at some point, have the quarterback drop back and throw. Like, you can still do it under center, 
And then you have one of your one of your big receivers. Put Duke Williams out there. He's a big dude. Have him run a go route, throw it up to him, see what happens. Because then you still have third down to try to pick up the mm-hmm. first down again too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think that that would then put the defense on their heels the next time it's a second and one. And you do do that. I think the quarterback can pick up more yards. I just I feel like there's no – and this isn't a criticism of the Ticats because I think this is like this around the league. There's just no creativity on these things. It's like do the mm-hmm. easiest thing, do the thing that everyone else does. And I'm just waiting for the day when I, – I don't know if you remember back in – I think it was 2009 – Ticat's third string quarterback, Adam Trafalos, was back there. And uh, I think, no, not, yeah, no, it was Adam Trafalos. And he's back there and he throws a deep one to Arlan Bruce against the Stampeders and he scored a touchdown and win the game. It's just, I wish more teams would do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's the mm-hmm. type of outside the box thinking that we just don't see now. It seems like every team does the exact same thing in those situations. And uh, it's just, it's just frustrating because if you do that on a second down, maybe on a third one, the defense is a little, oh, last time we came out here on a, on a, you know, down and one to go. They threw it deep, and we got to be. And they, they're a little hesitant. That opens up space for for the quarterback to get the yard or two that he needs. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just it'd make the defense guess, and it would make the game yeah. more exciting. It's just like these these coaches don't have any cojones. They don't. They're not risk takers like like the coaches we grew up watching, like Don Matthews and Ron Lancaster, and even Wally Buono to a certain extent. It's just not there anymore, unfortunately, and. Yeah, I'd love to see it again because it would add to the game, definitely. Yeah. It, it, it just, I, again, you pick up first downs, you go down the field, you score. I, I understand all that stuff. Winning games is exciting. Scoring touchdowns is exciting. But sometimes even a play that doesn't work, if you take a chance, I think fans can kind of get on their feet behind it. But, I mean, that, 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 maybe that's my little mini rant for tonight. So Thurman gets a sack on second down and forces Ottawa to punt. Uh, he was Ty great get, tonight, wasn't he? He he was really great. The defense, I thought, guys. Um, Carney gets a sack, but grabs Crum's face mask in the process, and then Crum. With oh, a 15, it was it was a face mask. It was a face mask, not a high hit. Yeah, it was a face mask. Yep. Okay, because they they when they announced the penalty, they just said it was like fifteen yards, and it was oh. like from from where we're sitting, we couldn't tell if it was like because he definitely went up high. And I think yeah. whether it was a face mask or a roughing the passer, like I think the, the flag was warranted. But if it was mm-hmm. a face mask, and it's a no-brainer. Okay, I just I was curious because it didn't. Yeah. They we couldn't hear in the stands what they said, and it, you couldn't really tell unless you were super close that if it was a what 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 had happened. It was de- don't don't get me wrong. It was definitely a penalty, regardless. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then Crum uh, runs it in from 15 yards out with 57 seconds left in the first half. It's 10-9 Ottawa, and that's how the half ends. Uh, you, I, I know I was getting a little bit worried at this point, you know, that they, they look good. Well, kind of look good early on. And then ver- at the very end of the first half, uh, Ottawa scores a touchdown and take the lead. I thought they were going to lose. Like I <laughs> thought this is deja vu all over again. Like I said, to start the show, essentially, I'm going to probably run that phrase in the ground tonight, but I, I thought that, uh, okay. I mean, I, I put out a tweet that's like, hey, they're down at halftime like they've always been. They haven't scored a touchdown in six quarters at home. But, hey, they're only down by one. They're not down by double digits, so it's progress. And, you know, obviously things turned out well in the end, but ultimately with the final score. But at the same time, it did kind of feel like this backup quarterback, this third guy who started the season as their third-string quarterback, really their fourth QB when you think about it because Tyree Adams is out and you got Mazzoli and you got Arbuckle, you got this guy. Mm-hmm. It just felt like, of course, the Ticats are going to lose this game. Of course, they're going to gag this away, and they're going to do it to a quarterback that they have no business 
Like he he shouldn't have been. He was. I think he was more successful on his feet than he was throwing the ball. To be honest, I, I, like I have his numbers here. Like throwing the ball, he was fourteen to twenty one for one forty nine and two picks. But he ran the ball six times for ninety one yards and touchdown. And it wasn't just your typical QB plops, as you like to call them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I thought the kid played well, but it did certainly felt at halftime like, oh, this team's gonna blow this, and we're gonna be zero and four going into the toilet bowl against the Elks next week, and just. It didn't happen, so we I guess we can move on then. Uh, the Ticats start the second half with an illegal kick out of bounds. Oh, that's always lovely. Again, um, again these, these stupid pen, like time counts like this, like these are not things that should be ha- – like I, why are you kicking the ball that close to the sideline anyway? You know what I mean? I like know. I just – I don't get – these it's, these stupid silly penalties that, that are avoidable are, are what's really hurting this team in my opinion. Is it a case of we got to kick it close to the sidelines because that's where, you know, the tacklers are going or like that's where we want to the coverage unit to be? I, I don't know. But all I know is the yards, the field 65 yards wide. So, like, just keep it in balance on the gut, on the kickoff, please. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Crum still running the ball effectively at this point. Ottawa gets three with 10.37 left in the third. It's 13.9 Ottawa. All right, so this is the play. This is the ref. Uh, refs call illegal contact on a running play. They discuss yeah. and then pick up the flag. We already talked about that. Just ridiculous. Um, Schultz throws a pick shortly after. But oh, then, was that the one that the, was that the one that the dude grabbed with the one hand? Yes, it was a nice pick. Oh, that sure. was. I mean, you you hate it as a fan of the opposing team, but you kind of just have to applaud that, do you not? Like that was a hell of an interception. Yeah, absolutely. Was uh, you know. Shields wasn't the perfect throw, but it was a, it was a nice play by the defender, no doubt about it. But on the ensuing play, after the Ottawa Red Blacks get the ball, they turn it over. Lawrence Simone Lawrence gets the pick after a crazy tip drill, so that that was pretty damn exciting. Uh, and then shortly after that, a sixty-four yard catch and run from McAllister on a wide receiver screen. Uh, they missed the extra point. It's fifteen thirteen tie cats with six thirty-two left in the third. This McAllister kid, he looked pretty good tonight, no? He looked great. And here's the thing. If you are on our Patreon, you would have gotten my opinion on Tyreek McAllister because when Leandre Gallimore was released earlier this week, everyone was free. I'm sure you saw it on social media as well. People are like, they're Mm -hmm. releasing Gallimore. What are they doing? He was a star of the preseason, yada, yada, yada. And if you go to my show over on Patreon, I broke this down as to why they let him go. And my reasoning was, Tyreek McAllister is a weapon they can use in multiple ways. You saw him run the football tonight. Not a ton, but he ran the football tonight. They threw some passes to him. He, he caught the one, obviously, the big one for the 64 yards. But I was, I was telling you then, so if you, if you want this inside dope early, you got to sign up over on Patreon because I will tell you the things that I'm seeing. I knew that he was going to be used in multiple ways in this game. Now, would I have said he's going to score a 64-yard touchdown? No, I wouldn't have predicted that. But – I knew that he was going to be a guy that the team the team is very, very high on him because of how many ways they can get him the football. And we saw it tonight in the return game, in the run game, and, of course, this big play. I thought he was fantastic. I think he's one of those guys. He's the next in line of those these offensive weapons that this team can use because if you remember when he was signed, they signed him as a running back slash receiver. That's actually what they put in the press release. So I was always kind of intrigued by, well, what's he going to do in – in when if he gets a chance to play, and now he's get, gotten his opportunity, he makes that big play. I think there's not going to be a time where we see him come out of the lineup from here on out. Yeah. I thought he was excellent tonight. 
well worth the reason for getting rid of a guy like Gallimore. You put him on the field and, and magic happens. It was one of the nicest plays of the game, to be quite honest. It might have been the best play of the game. That I don't know. Some of those interceptions, though, were, were pretty nice as well. But th- this, this was pretty good to see. Yeah, I thought they laid the blocks out pretty good, the other receivers, and he snuck through the hole there. And then he's, he he's just, fast, man. He's he is fast. very fast. Yeah, I could, you could see that. And, you know, we saw it later in the fourth quarter, which we'll get to. Um, the Ticats get to crumb. He fumbles. Uh, the ball's bouncing around like crazy. And then finally, Laurent recovers, so that was a big swing. Um, but and then, you know uh, did you did you notice with that he scoops up the ball and obviously he's you know three. I mean, I know he's slimmer now, but he's you know two eighty, three hundred yep. pounds. Holds the ball as tight as he can because he knows he's not running forty five yards no, for no, a touchdown. No. Yeah. but he wanted to keep the ball. It was yep. it was a, just a heads up play by him. Had yeah, Chris because... Edwards gotten to it though, I think Edwards would have scored. Because mm-hmm. Edwards right was here. there right away, and then he deflected it and bounced around. I think Chris Edwards picks that up. He, he's in the end zone. Yeah, but when you're big Teddy, you just got to secure that ball, and that was Absolutely. a nice play by him. Um, shortly after that, unfortunately, Keandre Smith fumbles after a catch near the sideline. The Ottawa okay. player touches it last. Ottawa ball at their own 26. Go ahead. Okay, so Ottawa did touch the ball after because it didn't look like – because that happened on the opposite side of the field from where I sit. And it didn't look like that. And then I don't know if they showed it on TV, but Steinhauer was like making it a kick in motion, a kicking motion as if he was trying to tell the rest, like, Hey, he kicked it out of bounds. Um, but Ottawa, an Ottawa player did touch it last. Cause it didn't look like that yeah. from where I sat. It looked as if he stripped him of the ball and then it just bounced out of bounds. But okay. He did touch it last. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Initially, like when I saw it live, I saw, I thought the same thing. Like, yeah, he knocked it out, but you have to touch it again. I was like, what the Mm -hmm. hell? Like, are they going to mess up this call too? So yeah, it did. uh, It did touch him again. So they got right. They got right on that one. So it ends 15, 13 at the end of the third, Uh, fourth quarter starts McAllister with a nice 36 yard punt return to about midfield. Um, Schultz looks good on this drive. Two first down passes to Duke and Sedani. Uh, Sarto flinches and takes penalty killing drive. Essentially can't convert on second down. They settle for three. It's 18, 13 with 10 46 remaining in the fourth quarter. Shortly after that, Richard Leonard's gets the pick. Ticats take over at their own 47 yard line. That was nice to see Richard Leonard make a play. It was nice to see, you know, the defense get pressure, um, get turnovers tonight. Uh, we hadn't seen that in the first three games. No, it, um, Look, the, the amount of praise I'm going to give is it's tempered because of, A, the opponent. I, I don't think Ottawa's a very good team, quite honestly. And, B, for the vast majority of the game, they were playing essentially a four-string quarterback. But you can only play who's in front of you, and I thought this defense finally, for the first time all year, really played well. I think they had five or six sacks in this one. They obviously had the, what, they forced four? I think they had three picks. And they had the fumble recovery, so they forced four turnovers, which they hadn't really been doing all year. They hold an opponent to under 30 points for the first time this year. And again, I understand it's Ottawa and their offense is not that good. But you can only play who's in front of you, and that's exactly what they did. So maybe they played down, quote-unquote, to the level of their competition. But at the same time, the Ticats aren't a very good football team right now either. So mm-hmm. these two teams are about on the same level right now as far as I'm concerned. So to see that, to see that defense kind of step up uh, – it, it it gives me positive thoughts and, and positive feelings going into upcoming games that they'll have where they also, they play Ottawa again, they play Edmonton a couple of times. So some of the lesser teams that maybe they can get some wins against. Yeah, it was, it was a good defensive performance, I'd say. 
Uh, the Ticats do nothing with the opportunity, but they flip field position. Ottawa takes over at their own five-yard line. They go two and out uh, and get a no yards on the punt. Ticats take over with great field position. They drive into the red zone, but only get three. It's 21-13 with 3-11 left on the clock. Um, Thurman gets another sack. Ottawa forced to punt with 2-14 left. That was a big sack, I think, because I think if yep. they even if they just stop him short, like if it's maybe an incomplete pass, I think Ottawa goes for it on third down there. But because it ended up being like something like third and twenty five or whatever it was, it was it was a big sack. Like it was ten plus yards, I, mm-hmm. I would think, just based on where the yard marker was. Um, I think that forces Ottawa to punt. Now it wasn't necessarily a terrible decision by Ottawa to punt because they do get the ball back, but it was. Uh, it, it was it was a it was a very important play because I think the Red Blacks probably go for it if Thurman doesn't force that that pretty big sack there. So Ottawa actually has a chance at the end of the game, uh, the, but he the oh, what's his name the quarterback there Crum oh, comes Crum. up a little bit short. He runs, you know, the defense is dropping back. Crum runs the ball and it looks like he has an opening there, but they close in on him. Uh, they take him down at about the two or three yard line. Game over. Tie Cats win twenty one to thirteen. Thank goodness. Chris Edwards with the game winning tackle, and I'm sure that that uh, <laughs> must have pissed your buddy Gary Stern off. Something fierce. He must have been having an aneurysm today. Oh my Chris God. Edwards gets the gets the big pick, and and Chris Edwards makes the tackle. And uh, no, he's look. not watching. He's not watching any of these <laughs> games. He's just a big phony. No. Look, but, I'll, I'll say I'll say this. We discussed this ad nauseum on the show. We both believe that Chris Edwards deserved a one-game suspension for what he did. Mm-hmm. I know there's going to be some Red Blacks fans out there that are probably pretty, pretty cheesed off that he played in this game, but that's the way it went. He went and made some plays. I still think he's a knucklehead. I'm still not all that enthused by him being on the team. However, he made some plays. I'm not going to be mad about it. Yeah, absolutely. If he, if you know. He turns it around from here on out. He doesn't act like a knucklehead from uh, for the rest of the season, and he just plays well. Then you know I can forgive and forget. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be fooled by him yet. He has to earn the trust. But uh, yeah. let's get into some of these talking points. How do you think Matthew Schultz played tonight? He played stats wise played better than I thought he did. He went 19 to 26 for 233, one touchdown and an interception. I wasn't overly impressed. Like I think he was fine. You know what I mean? Like I I wouldn't have come out of this game saying like, "Oh, he played great," but mm-hmm. I mean the numbers are are fairly impressive. He had five runs for 30 yards. He had a couple of big runs there uh in the game. So I thought he was okay, but I don't think that like, I still don't think that this offense can get to the next level with him as, like, a full-time starter. You know what I mean? But he's definitely was – he was he was fine. I think that's the best yep. way to put it. I think he was fine. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that he's good enough to beat teams like Ottawa and, yeah. and Edmonton. Um, and fortunately, like you said earlier, we have four games against Ottawa and Edmonton coming up. So hopefully we can get four wins against those teams because – we should beat those teams, and uh, that would help us a lot going uh, coming into the halfway point of the season. The run game tonight was, you know, they stuck with it. You know, they handed off the ball. James Butler didn't have 
great numbers. I'm looking at them now, and he only had a 3.6-yard average, but it seemed better than that to me. I don't know. He seemed like he was being productive throughout the game, but as a total with the team, they were over 100 yards rushing, so that was nice to see. Yeah, it was. I, I just thought that some of the play calling for – like some of the, maybe it wasn't play calling. Maybe it was Butler not seeing what we I could see from higher up. There are a couple of times where I think he took the wrong hole. Like if he would have kept going outside, there was room there, and guys had sealed some blocks off. It was nice to see them stick with it. Like Butler had 17 carries in it. I honestly – maybe Wes Hills last year had a game where he had mm, – yeah, I think he had a 20, 20-something – Yeah, he had yeah. a 20-something carry game, but, but – Ticats running backs getting 15 plus carries over the last, you know, basically since DeAndre Cobb left, or it's few and far between. Like CJ Gable never had a ton of carries, and guys like like I, it just didn't happen. So to see uh to see them stick with the run game, and I guess the game being close also helps in that respect. And them having a lead, which means they want to kill clock as much as possible. It, it, it was nice to see that kind of come out today. I just wish it was a little bit more productive overall. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Um, now, the time count violations, you know, the, it seems that the special teams is a little bit of a mess at times this season under Jeff Reinbold. Um, do you see it that way, or am I overlooking, or am I just looking into things no, too much? No, I think you're you're spot on. They just, there was a lot of confusion with this team. There, there was, they took a timeout at one point because they had like 14 guys on the field. The end of the game, so I know this isn't special teams, but it, it kind of plays into sort of the mental errors that this team makes. End of the game, like, I think they're, they're throwing Duke out there to maybe break up a Hail Mary, but then he didn't get on the field in time. So the told, I, like, I'm not, I have to go back and watch the game. I'm not sure if they even had 12 guys on the field for that final play. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it just seems like there's some disorganization here and there's a little bit of a, franticness to it at at the end there but also on special teams it just i don't know man it's time count i said it earlier time count violations at home to me are inexcusable one i can understand stuff happens but three or four is just it's too much and yeah this, the special teams unit just hasn't felt as cohesive as it has before but there are a lot of new players there so maybe it's just kind of working out some kinks and all that sort of stuff yeah it's unfortunate we the Tiger Cats do lead the CFL in penalties this year so far, at least going into the game tonight. They were ninth. So um, th- that's something they're going to have to clean up, right? And that's a coaching thing. They're going to have to clean that up and yeah. figure that out quickly. So, um, and I'd be curious defense. to look, I'd be curious to look yep. at the, uh, and maybe, maybe I'll, I know the CFL sends out these stat packages. I'm curious to see if they, if there's a way to like, look at which ones are like quote unquote preventable penalties. Cause like, I don't, I don't take a, an, like, offsides happen, you know, roughing the passer or unnecessary rough, like mm-hmm. those, unless they're like knucklehead, like you're fighting after the play. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, what was it? Carney got the face mask on the sack. Like to me, that's not, that's, it's avoidable, but it's not like that to me is not a mental error. You know what I mean? That's more of a, the quarterback moved and I went to grab him. So you wouldn't get by me and I happened to grab his face mask like that to me, those aren't like, yeah, it's a 15 yard penalty and it sucks. I don't look at those as the same as, kicking the ball out of bounds or getting a time count violation. It goes to me or like, that's more of a mental error than the other ones. If, if, if what I'm saying makes sense. So I'd be curious to see how many of their flags have been of those type of those, like just stupid, stupid things that, that teams a month plus into the season shouldn't be making. 
Tim White, I, I haven't noticed him, especially tonight uh, or even in the last couple of games. He hasn't been making a, a very big impact. Um, did you notice the same thing? I, I just didn't know. He made a couple catches tonight, I think, maybe one or two, but uh, one, nothing major. One for seven yards. Yeah. He had one catch for seven yards. He was he was invisible tonight. And I know yeah. he had 100 yards against uh, Montreal. Him and Duke both went for a hundo. But it felt like a empty hundred. You know what I mean? Like. Because in that game, he had a couple of big, long bombs from Schilt. They didn't really do that tonight. But, yeah, it, it – I, but he did this last year, if you recall. Sure. Like, he yep. he started the season. He had a he had a big game here or there. And it wasn't until around – I mean, once the team started turning things around, that's when he started posting, like, 150 yards and two touchdowns and whatever. So, maybe he's just one of those guys, like, the team as a whole has been over the last two decades. They're slow starters. and. Yeah, he's had some some flashes, but yeah, tonight was not uh, not one of his more stellar performances. Obviously, so Seth Small leaves the team. Uh, you know, I know I was worried. I, I think you were worried about it, kind of a little bit. They mm-hmm. bring in they bring in Legio. Um, you know, he was a bit of a whipping boy in Winnipeg, but he's been great, man. I mean, he nails all the kicks tonight. I I, I don't have the percentages on at the, off the top of my head here, but um, he's been great since he joined the Tiger Cats. Well, he did miss the extra points. So he didn't nail all of his kicks, but he did make all his field goals, and he all hasn't missed a field yeah. goal yet. He hasn't yep. missed a field goal yet as a tie cat. So he's uh, he was five for five. Did they kick five field goals tonight? Oh yeah, I guess they did. They only yeah. scored the one, only touchdown, one touchdown. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so he goes five for five. I think he was four. So he's nine for nine on the season. And this was something I think we mentioned on the show. Uh, sometimes a change of scenery is all a guy needs. Yep. Sometimes it's it's. Something about where he is, negative feelings, negative emotions, all that sorts of stuff kind of weighs on guys. But sometimes it's just they need to just move on to somewhere else and they can kind of revitalize himself. And that's what he's done here. He's been – I mean, I, I, I don't – like Seth Small, once he kind of established himself, I stopped worrying about whether or not he – like I, if he was going out to kick a field goal, I thought he was going to make it 100 times out of 100. You know what I mean? I know he obviously missed some last year, but – I didn't think he would ever miss. With Legio, because of his past, I'm still a little like, eh, is he going to make this one? Is he not? But I can't give him anything other than, you know, an A-plus grade, man. Like, he kicked, he does have the kick out of bounds. Maybe not an A-plus. Maybe I'll give him an A. Because he kicks the ball out of bounds. He does miss the extra point. But other than that, he's been he's been pretty damn good. So it's been a good pickup and, and kind of made everyone kind of forget about Seth Small, I think, a little bit. So anything else you want to touch on about this one? and we, Or do you want to just jump into the, the Twitter comments? Um, I'm just going over the stats here just to, I mean, Richie Sandani, I think deserves a little bit of a shout out. Seven catches for 59 yards. He was pretty reliable tonight. Um, I thought Duke was, was good. I, I thought he caught more than three passes, but I guess he didn't. But I, I think Duke has been the best player on this team this year. He's been the most reliable. So just want to give a little love to those guys. Cause I thought that they, uh, they, they played really well over uh, Duke over the course of the season. And, and Sandani tonight, I thought was, uh, this might have been one of his better games. He's, he, he, during all his years in Calgary, he didn't really put up a ton of catches or yards, and I thought he was he was really important tonight. I thought he made a lot of big plays. So, yeah, I just want to give those two guys a shout-out. And, yeah, now we can move into the uh, the comments and questions from the listeners if you want. Uh, yeah, just a quick shout-out from me as well to Simone Lawrence. I thought he, he played mm, a pretty darn yeah. good game tonight. He had uh, quite a few tackles and then that interception. So uh, good to see him doing his thing again out there. All right, let's get into the Twitter questions here. The first one you have from like some weird uh, 
P-Z-O-N-T-A. It's like it's like a meme. It says Ty Cat passion dwindling. Days of thirty thousand per game are long gone. Remember, maximum seating capacity is only twenty four thousand plus. Yet empty seats abound. Oh my God, this empty <laughs> seat thing, dude! People <laughs> hang out on the concourse. Yeah, it's there are people in that damn Coors Light banquet bar, or whatever. Like people don't consume games. They don't go to games like they did 25 years ago. We need to get over this. There's empty seats. There's em- Yes, okay, well, it wasn't a sellout. I don't think for a second it was a sellout. But there's no problem. Ticats do not have an attendance issue. They're one of the few teams in this league that does not have an attendance issue. Let's not make this a thing. I just People say this all the time. I'm sure you see it as well, especially on social. Like, oh, there's no one there. It's like, they don't hang. People aren't sitting in their seats. They buy a ticket just to get into the place. And then they mill around and hang out. That's the way younger people watch these games. And yeah. I don't care that they do that. You're, you're, you're giving the team your money. That's good enough for me. Yeah. That's just how the younger crowd enjoys the, a, the games yeah. these days. It's like, and it's a good sign. Really. I mean, we have a younger fan base, um, yeah. you know, younger than a lot of the fan bases in the CFL. Uh, this is a the simple way- one, but I love it. It's from Kevin Moose nine, two, nine, two. How many toes down? How many toes down? I'm ten toes down, buddy. I'm uh, ten toes down. Ten toes down after this ten. one. Oof. All right. That, that's look, that's all look. we need to know. Let's end the show now. Look. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're never getting better. Look, they're, they won this week. They're going to Edmonton. They're going to win next week. Then the Argos come here, and I'm calling it now. They are beating the Toronto Argonauts in Hamilton in two weeks. This team in two weeks will be three and three, and we will forget the zero and three start. I like How's that it. for I like 10 it. Down? I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, the next one's from the Mark P. Coming out of the bye, I expected more. What we got was more of the same bad penalties, can't block, can't finish in the red zone. I'll take the win, but this is a bad football team. Tim White, only three targets. Won't be surprised if the double E wins next week. That brings you down after okay. that positivity. From the, the you got you got you got you got you to gotta filter these questions a little better, buddy. Like that's just uh, <laughs> that, that yeah. is. It's like we're all we're all flying high here. Look, I know. in all seriousness, I understand that comment. I get it. This was not a brilliant performance. You would have expected more. But if this team, let's be honest, if this team gets their red zone issues sorted, they win this game by twenty plus points. They kicked five field goals. I think two of them came outside the red zone. You turn those other three threes into sevens, and they blow this team out. So it's little things, and it's things that are fixable. Fix those things. They'll start rolling 10 toes down. From Andy Houston 03, Chris Hedwards' haters are real silent right now. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a Chris Edwards fan. I am not. But he played pretty damn well tonight. Yeah, and he's actually, played, to, be honest, to be honest with you, he's played pretty well this whole season. I would, I was just about to say the same thing. He had the one incredible lapse in judgment that, unfortunately, he is prone to doing. But yeah, he's he's been pretty good this year. He's been one of their better players. So yeah, he's a knucklehead. Yeah, he does some stupid stuff. And if if he wasn't here, I don't think I'd be upset about it. But he makes plays in the field, and that's really all you can hope for as a fan. From FM fan, we need someone else than Mark Leggio scoring our points. That's fair. Yeah, that's what we got Tyreek and Callister for. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, that is fair. That is fair. They they can't. They got the field goal thing has got to stop. From Adam Stalker, hopefully we see Mazzoli again. I think Crum Crum's got a lot of upside. The O was extremely conservative. Take out the screen TD Schiltz. YPA was six point seven two. What's with Beard? So many high snaps, which isn't a good sign. Defense was hard to judge against Ottawa's awful O-line and fourth QB. I don't know if the uh, Ottawa's O-line is awful. I mean, they've only given up three sacks before this game. Um, But I get what you're saying, Adam. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and Adam's always got some pretty astute comments, whether he's given us stuff for the regular pod or or here. So I'm not going to disagree with him too much. He's got a pretty good eye. So if that's Mm -hmm. what he saw... That's what he saw. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with anything he said either. But again, I it's it's hard to be it's hard to be too up after this win, but it's also hard to be too down because they actually won. So, yeah. but it's it's nice to Adam is is one of the realists out there. So if if he's thinking some things, it's uh, more th- more often than not he's correct. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, from our buddy Tiger Sammy, number one thoughts are with Jeremiah Mazzoli. Yes, I, I agree. Number two. How does a team take three time count violations at home? Yeah, uh, we're with you there too, Tiger Sammy. And number three, the road to fifteen and three is on. If they lose on <laughs> Thursday, <laughs> if they lose on Thursday, it's Mike's fault. All right, I'll take that. That's fair. That's hey, fair. if they lose on Thursday, it just means now we're on the road to fourteen and four, and that's perfectly acceptable record as well. Yeah, I, I, I'd take that. That'd be the what the second best record of all time. The second the best record Cats? in franchise history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Jim Martin, loved the win, but felt absolutely sick when Mazzoli went down. Simone seems to have returned to form. More time for Schultz this week, and the D-line was getting pressure. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, uh, I'm not going to call it any names, but uh, since most, I, I don't think any of my colleagues listen to, uh, to our live shows, there's a little Simone slander in the old three-down group chat, and then almost immediately after someone said that, he got the interception. And I was going <laughs> to nice. say something, but I was like, nah, I'll let that hang there. Because now it's like everyone's kind of looking at that comment going, uh, yeah. Now, look, <laughs> I, I do think Simone's lost a step. I, I, I do, but I think tonight he did put in a pretty uh, pretty solid performance. So I'm not going to be too upset about what he did. But I, I don't think it's unfair to think that he is not the player he was five years ago because he's five years older. But tonight was a turn back performance from him. I thought he was making some plays out there. It was nice to see him get the interception. It was nice. He got a couple pass knockdowns. And so far as I remember, made some tackles. It was a good Simone day today. The next one comes from at Tony McCola. Well, we're finally in the win column. It was very far from pretty though. Play calling and execution was very mediocre yet again. First down run, second down throw, some screen pass. Very predictable, and we got lucky that one screen pass worked, and it ended up in a touchdown. It It is, and this is where the constant criticisms of Tommy Condell I'll actually agree with. It was a very predictable game plan. Like, I literally sat in the stands, and it was first and 10. It was after the Schiltz run where he picked up the first down. And I said, Sindani's going to run into the box here, and they're going to run it up the middle, and they're going to pick up three yards. It's exactly what happened. And I'm sorry, but if I'm – and I know the game of football, but I'm not a coach-level intelligent. I shouldn't be able to sit in the stands and tell you exactly what's going to happen on the next play. Like, if I can do that, the defensive coordinator for the other team can do it. It, it, it 
if, if there's one criticism that I cannot fight back on when it comes to Tommy, it's his, his game plan is sometimes way too predictable. All right, our last one here. We always get less comments after wins. Um, <laughs> our next less one comments here. and less listeners, which is <laughs> shocking because people don't want to hear us be fucking miserable. <laughs> it was. It's refreshing to come on here and actually, you know, talk about a win. It wasn't the most glorious win of all time, but it's a win nonetheless. But no, and a, we have more. We have more fun after a win, and we're laughing, yeah. and it's not laughing through tears. Like yeah, I yeah. think the I think the post win shows are better. From like, uh, I can understand why maybe you know fans of other teams wouldn't want to listen to a post game show where we're glowing about a win. We're not even really glowing about the win because it wasn't a necessarily a you know massive win or anything. You know what I mean? Like it's not like mm-hmm. they this, this was a classic CFL game where it was back and forth, high scoring, kind of boring. For being pretty honest, but no, I think people just love the misery and and love to hear it. Maybe they just like hearing us get all shitty and, and yelly or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah. The, Definitely, definitely the, fewer comments when, when after a W. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I think you get some of the hate lessons in there. Um, I've sure. noticed, especially after uh, we lose to the Toronto Argonauts. I think one time last year, our, our, our lessons went through the roof after a tough loss to the Argonauts. So yeah, they love to sense. to listen to us be miserable. Uh, our last one comes from Jared Breyer. Way too close. Sandani had a great game, as did twenty one. Red zone needs a lot of work because this should never have been as close as it was. Hope Mazzoli isn't as bad as, as it looked. Uh, Mazzoli is as bad as it looked. I'm, yeah, he's, I'm gonna, he's done. He's done. I, for the se- whether his career is over, I don't know. But the se- his season, his season is over. There's no doubt in my mind. Like it's one thing to put an air cast on a guy. Like Joel Figueroa walks around with an air cast on uh, and has since he got hurt. Uh, so. But he's he doesn't have a, a help. He's not on a crutch or anything. He's he's able to put weight on his foot. Mazzoli had a cane for a reason. It to me, it's he he tore his Achilles. His season is over. It's it's an incredibly sad end. Um, I'm hoping he can find a way to get back on the field. I don't know if he's going to simply because of the nature of that injury and his age. Uh, but yeah, everything else that was said there, I, I also kind of agree with. I, I look, I'm hoping Jeremiah comes back, and I hope he still has a few years left in him at top level. I'm just, uh, I'm just not all that hopeful that that's that's the case. So yeah, we end on a downer. We got to. I wish there was something fun we could end this with, but I guess it is what it is. Well, I'll, I'll tie a bow on this one. The Ticats win, twenty-one to go. thirteen. Uh, they're one and three on the season, but. You know, it's time to turn this thing around. Okay, the expectations were high at the start of the season. It's time to start winning games. So for Mike Graham and Josh Smith, eat them raw. Eat them raw.